You are now listening to The Secret Life of a Grad Student. I'm Megan. I'm Laura, and we are two grad students who want to share the untold stories of graduate students past and present. Hi, everybody. Today, I'm interviewing David Lebotozzi, a scientist at Bayerad. Dave started college in his late 20s after work at night. At that time, he was a pastry chef. After undergrad, he worked a bit in industry, but then decided to go to grad school to challenge himself once more. He's telling all about it today. Yeah, hi, I'm uh, Dave Lubertosi. I'm a 55-year-old single white male, originally from Chicago. I came out in 1999 to go to grad school at UC Berkeley in chemical engineering. I'm a content optimization strategist at Biorad. Uh, this series is about uh, starting your PhD later in your life, then right away after college. But before we go to around this part, can you can we rewind and can you tell us, did you have anyone early on, like sure. in your family? Yeah. yeah. No, well, so my, my parents were not science-minded or science-educated. Um, you know, they both came from, they're kind of college-educated, but like, you know, among, my dad's probably the first in his family, so he, you know, they were Italian immigrants, Italian-Americans, and his dad was like a bricklayer, so that was kind of a departure for them, and I think they never quite understood it. Um, my mom, her mom was actually pretty advanced for her time and had an education and a career, um, but her parents were, you know, bourgeois, so she was a teacher and he was a shopkeeper and stuff. But yeah, so the, they, my mom ended up being a civil servant for most of her life. We were working for volunteers. My dad was a social worker. So I guess I would say they're in, you know, soft science, stuff like that. So they were white collar folks. When I was a teenager, I was not getting along with them. I was feeling rebellious anyway. So I really had these romantic notions about the working class and really just making something with your hands instead of doing something like I mean, science has been a part of my life since I was very young. Really very career-minded as a youngster either. Um, so, in fact, I didn't didn't even graduate high school. I was uh, kind of bumming around. And, yeah, the idea of a career was something that I felt like was almost anathema to me, that I didn't want to have to devote myself to, like, you know, to sell my soul. I, I guess I had some very interesting idealistic naivete about kind of what life was about. And But I... You know, I, I sort of felt like, from my point of view, when I was getting out of high school at, at 18, that you could either sort of join the, the be one of the exploiters or one of the exploited. And I, I sort of didn't really see myself fitting either of those. But um, I didn't really have a clear path. So yeah, I bummed around and I, I got into food service for a while. I was just flipping burgers and I, I turned into, I got an opportunity to be a baker and then that turned into a pastry chef. And so then, yeah, by the time I was 25, I guess, I'd sort of had enough of that and I was thinking of doing um, opening a bakery with some folks and that opportunity really didn't pan out very well and the, the people weren't right and the time was right and then so I had we had a, I had a fairly stable situation in the country club where the guy who hired me the executive chef really liked me and gave me a lot of freedom and I kind of had my own little department with some people under me and a budget and could do neat things but he left and then things kind of fell apart and they had went through a series of incompetent people that let me really think maybe I should go to college and get a degree and I won't have to deal with some of these bozos and so since I was in food service anyway, I thought, well, maybe food science. And so I didn't really have a set career path in mind even at that point. But I started going to community college part-time at night and paying less attention to work and more attention to studies and sort of daring them to fire me until a point when uh, I was 28, when I left, I said, well, I'm going to go to school full-time. I had, um, again, still no, no clear career path at that point. I really liked biology and chemistry and physics a lot. Yeah. So I had another mentor, I guess, was probably back in high school. I had a chemistry teacher I really liked. She was kind of tough, um, Germanic lady, very, very rigorous, we'll say, for, well, for high school. But I felt like I learned a lot 
thinking back on it, yeah, the teachers that you have in a particular subject and how they relate to you really affects how you feel about that subject. And so I think it's one of the things that actually kept me out of science for a bit was I was kind of math phobic, actually, even though a lot of the, the philosophical parts of chemistry really resonated well with me. But I think I had, I had kind of a bad experience with my, you know, algebra one teacher in junior year in high school or something. And I was kind of like, <laughs> I don't like this. But then, yeah, I mean, later on, like when I was in undergrad, I had a math teacher there for like Calc 1 who I would like stay after class and work on problems with the board of them because he was like an interesting guy. And this is it's just it's just really, yeah, it's amazing how much. So how did you eventually become interested in science from when you were like baking and you opened your pastry? I don't know. I just I think I've always, again, had that the mindset of problem solving like that. I mean, baking was a little more precise than other types of cooking. So you have to have your formulas and your weights and measures and, you know, technique. Yeah. And, um, at that point, my exposure to biology had been mostly a lot of kind of pre-med and nursing students in the community college. So there's a lot of like kind of what I felt was rote memorization or, you know, what we call stamp collecting, just a lot of organizations of things. It wasn't, I didn't have that dawning. I had a, a slight inkling of molecular bio and what that was about, but it really wasn't taught there and I didn't have a lot of exposure to it. But I had a chemistry prof who was a really nice guy and he was, you know, retired and teaching as a hobby kind of part-time and kind of took me under his wing. And I actually was very advanced. I was, that was probably my best subject. So him and another professor I'd had, they were both basically had me as a teaching assistant and I was tutoring and stuff with the kids and helping him grade stuff. So that was kind of flattering. It was being a big fish in a small pond. You know, I felt like I'm the smartest kid in the class, but we're like, you know, backwater community college. So he, he encouraged me to try chemical engineering. So that's, so I went undergrad in uh, University of Illinois in chemical engineering right after that. Yeah, at the time when I was getting into baking, that was kind of a dying art too, because in the Midwest and big cities, like all the bakeries were disappearing and the supermarkets had all the uh -huh. bakeries and stuff, right? So then I didn't realize, of course, what was happening out here just starting at that time was like the Shape and East Revolution and the kind of rise of, you know, artisan baking in affluent areas where they <laughs> could support that. But now it's, it's everywhere now. I was just baking bread with my housemate right now, actually. So <laughs> still keep oh. my hand in that. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you haven't completely Everybody's that. baking now in their home, right? Everybody's yeah, calling right. Me like, oh, I, I need your sourdough starter. We can't find any yeast. <laughs> so <laughs> I've had a lot of uh, a lot of long emails about it and send my recipes out and stuff. But. So is there anything that really triggered this, like, I'm going to go back to college and at well, night? Yeah, I think, I think the, the real impetus to get the heck out of that career was the, the twin events of my executive chef leaving and some other people leaving and the structure kind of falling apart and there being a lot of chaos at that particular place and said so having a, a series of kind of incompetent bosses along with then looking at the opportunity to go into business with some folks to open a bakery and says so, yeah this is not the right not not the right combination of time place and people and I didn't have my own money and so yeah I was looking for an out I was really looking for something new, a change. So can you tell us now um, what you're doing? Because you just mentioned it before, like you're not very doing science anymore. Yeah, yeah. You well, went, I, I'm in, you I'm in marketing. Yeah, 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 I'm in marketing at a life science company. That's my, so I sell stuff on the web. Okay. Our customers are scientists, so I think I'm using my degree a little bit in the terms of kind of knowing what they're about and knowing what science is about. Although I'm hopelessly behind on stuff, you know, it's really hard to to okay. stay current, so. <laughs> so it's a very I, I interesting. Yeah. It's a very interesting uh, uh, career that you have so far. Like you, you, you went from yeah, like baking to road, yeah. academic and now like marketing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Interesting. So, okay. So now let's go back to uh, college. So you're doing your undergrad. You're starting yeah. to get more interested into chemistry because you have a very good teacher, and but 
how did you decide to go to grad school and how old were you at this moment? Yeah, that was another interesting, it wasn't a super positive decision. I guess I wasn't really planning ever to go to grad school when I started undergrad. I figured I would get a job in industry and that would be that. And then when I started looking at, you know, I probably late in my junior year or early in my senior year, really looking at jobs that were available um, for chemical engineers and also try to do an internship that summer in between, <clears throat> which I ended up at EPA, which I thought was kind of interesting because I thought, oh, environmental, that's really cool. Like, the old joke is what do chemical engineers do? Half pollute the environment, the other half clean up after the first half, right? So it's, <laughs> it's a beautiful relationship, job security. But I didn't want to be one of the polluters. But that was really kind of boring, really, frankly. Maybe, maybe again, it was just the people I got in with. I did end up finding a good mentor there. Like the, the lady who's supposed to be my supervisor, I felt was very detached and didn't have really time for me. Didn't have a project or anything for me to do. So I found another mentor who was willing to take me under his wing. And he's a good guy. But, you know, that was also it was the enforcement division, which was not really maybe my mentality either, being a cop. Because, yeah, there are bad actors out there and there, there are people that are just ignorant and it, we need to enforce the regulations and in some cases have fines or whatever. But I just felt like the cases that I'd worked on, I felt, I felt sorry for the folks mostly because we're going to put them out of business basically. Or I just felt like I didn't have the mentality. But also overall, the whole place felt kind of sleepy and I was still relatively young at 29 at that 30 at that point. But I felt like, well, maybe when I'm ready for retirement, I'll come back here and you know, <laughs> cruise towards retirement. But I would do something more exciting. But then, yeah, most of the jobs I looked at in at that time, still, chemical engineers largely worked in the petrochemical industry or chemical process industries. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, you know, it's kind of the dawning awareness of our global problems. So I really, I latched on to the idea of biofuels really hard and thought that's really the solution. And just the whole idea of green chemistry in general would be able to make things not yeah. from petroleum. Or actually, as I've said on many times on my soapbox, that from a chemical engineer's point of view, it's stupid to burn petroleum because we have better ways to make energy now. And like, it's such a great raw material. We can make anything out of it. Why are we burning it? But now of course we have, the oceans are full of plastic. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we should, we should learn to mimic nature in a lot of ways. And so, and so, yeah, that was this kind of like, hmm, when I looked at the jobs that were available and I was kind of like, well, what do I want to do? I felt like I need to do more school. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't, but again, I didn't have a very clear plan. That, that was the downfall of the whole plan was I didn't have a really clear plan of what <laughs> my project was, how to, how to figure out, how to uh, get out of there in a timely manner. And so, yeah, I joined a lab that was, um, figured this is the place to be. These guys are working on cool stuff and I'll, I'll find a niche fields. to fit in yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I sort of got put on what we'll call one of the orphan projects that didn't have anybody else working on it, didn't have any legacy or any open problems to start working on. So it was kind of like, maybe maybe because he thought I was a more more mature student that was like, you know, oh, well, he can land at his feet running. Like, you know, so I think it's one thing to say to a, to a postdoc, like, what do you want to do? Or, you know, cast a wide net or yeah. already have grants written in or, you know, but to a new student. And also because I was coming from chemie background, this is common to everybody's lab, but coming from chemie to bio also felt, especially, and then becoming this aware of molecular bio and that whole world was like trying to drink the ocean. Like I'm trying to take all these undergrad classes and stuff to like get up to speed on and read yeah. all the papers in the field. And I'm like, oh my God, like what's important? What do I need to know? You know? And then just the, the bench technique was really hard for me too. Cause I'd had, you know, I'd had wet bench tech jobs. You know, I worked in a food science lab. I was doing wet bench chemistry and, and microbiology and stuff. But then I said the the molecular bio, you know, when you're working with things that are essentially invisible, you know, yeah. kind of on faith, that really, that took me a while to sort of get. <laughs> I was like, actually, that was my first connection with BioRad as I was doing a lot of quantitative PCR for my, my first project. And then that was new in the lab. And so we'd got this iCycler, which is the hot new thing. And my uh, BioRad sales rep 
uh, was really helpful in getting me up to speed and helping me with protocols and work on it because there was no nobody else there and how to use it, you know. So, so you had much more um, enjoying time and during grad school than before. Ups and downs. A lot of it was pretty miserable, actually. <laughs> I yeah. felt like, you know, I mean, the coursework and stuff in the first year or two and the exams were pretty hard yeah. and humbling because like I said I'd come from an environment where I was like usually like the smartest guy in the class, whatever, small class. And I'm like, oh, not really like <laughs> that now. And but I, th I think that was also closest to my my naive conception of it in the, in the terms of collegiality and camaraderie, because we're all kind of working on stuff together. Well, kind of, it's like being in combat or something. You're all doing it together and you go through it and then you have breaks together. And I made a lot of great friends and I got into the outdoors. We started doing a lot of hiking, mm -hmm. um, climbing and skiing and all this stuff. But all this, all this time as a graduate student, that ups and downs, do you feel that at any time that it was due to the fact that you were more like an older graduate student? For sure. or it was, oh, yeah. absolutely. I doubted, I doubted myself all the time. I, I mean, that was... You know, there was times of intense stress. There was times of intense self-doubt. And am I doing the right thing? And what am I doing here? You know, what's the plan? And yeah, I, I do feel, like I said, being a little bit out of place, that contributed to me feeling a little out of place and having kind of the orphan project and not a, and a real mentor or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's also kind of my nature, I think, maybe exacerbated my hermiting tendencies. But I felt like, um, yeah, just being a little less energetic sometimes, a little more tired, not not as... Well, I did start, I got in really good shape and I was trying to keep up with young guys. I went, like I said, <laughs> went to the gym all the time, walked and biked to work. I was in great shape. And so I felt it was rejuvenating trying to like, keep up with the youngsters. But at the same time, it was kind of like you know, a little tiring. But yeah. I also felt like mentally, I just had, I, I, I think I am, I was, I am more set in my ways. I think as you get older, you kind of carry a weight with you of like the knowledge you have, be it useful or not, kind of yeah. like an attic full of stuff and maybe... To make room for more stuff, you have to throw out some old stuff. And it's kind of like, I kind of want to keep that, you know. And I think I yeah. see I, I'd seen that when I was a youngster and I had a real um, perception that I didn't want to be like that because I, I, the idea of growing up to me was like you stop growing. Right. Mm -hmm. That means that okay, now I know everything and I'm done. And now I'm yeah. stuck in time. And that's that's when you become detached from time and that's when you become out of touch and an old person. Right. And I, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be youthful forever. And so in that case it was good for me to hang out with young minds and bright people and new stuff. But I like a balance. So, you know, like like too much new stuff all the time is is just stressful. Most jobs you know, are like kind of rote and it's like really routine and not new stuff. So I like something in between where you've got some routine and some stability, but you still got some challenges and some. And did yeah. you feel that being mature at any time was like actually an advantage over the other coworkers? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I didn't, I didn't probably get as upset about some things, although... I mean, it's a it's a double-sided coin, but I guess I felt like as I get older also, I, I don't put up with bullshit as much. I just, mm -hmm. There's certain things I'm like, I'm not going to waste time with that. And if it's... Energy, yeah. Thing, or, yeah, it's just like, let it go by or ignore it. So that maybe was helpful. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, yeah. Well, I would say that I think also the people that the other older students will say who are still quite a bit younger than me usually tended to be the ones that were married or had a family or just married were doing better, I think, um, stress-wise and emotionally. So I think just having that support system as well as the idea that like, you know, you, you can get so wrapped up in your research and all the exigencies of it that that becomes your whole world and it's like not that healthy. Whereas I think other people that have kind of a life outside of that, like realize mm -hmm. what's really important is why, what I'm doing it for, what the goal is, like. Yeah, you know, keep the big okay. picture in mind yeah. with the family, yeah. How old were you when you graduated? Oh my God. Uh, 
geez, almost 45, 44. Yeah. So it took me, it took me about nine years to get done. I took a lot of time off and there. I had gotten discouraged a couple of times and, and sometimes I just, I was still officially enrolled, but I was just being a bum. So I took one winter to be like a ski bum and then, you know, took another winter, another summer to be a climbing bum. And then my fellowship ran out. So I was working in another lab to make ends meet and I wasn't making a lot of progress on my thesis. And then at the end of my, uh, Climbing bum time, 2006. I fell off a mountain and broke my ankle, which was kind oh. of kind of a downer. But I ended up being laid up for a while. And that's when I actually finally wrote my thesis up. So that's like stuck oh, around. great! So kind of a good thing. But I ended up graduating in like you know fall of 2008, feeling really like like mentally, physically, you know, financially, and just you know emotionally broken. And it was like a horrible time to find a job. I didn't really have a plan. You know, it's true. 2008. So, yeah. yeah. And I just, yeah, again, I hadn't, I, hadn't, I hadn't really thought that much about beyond grad school, even though I had plenty of time to think about it, but mostly just with trepidation, like, oh, I'm screwed. Like, I just assumed I would go into industry and there'd be lots of jobs there, but I didn't really have a very marketable skill set, actually. So for chem- chemical engineers, you know, a lot of the jobs, if you want to stay in the Bay Area and be in biotech, which is kind of the dream, right, that, you know, you're going to be either on the fermentation or the purification track. And so I hadn't done any you know, protein chromatography. So I didn't know any of those basic skill sets. I hadn't done any large scale fermenter stuff, right? So I'm kind of missing a couple of the key skills there to get into that. There's a few places that my specialty, so I work with filamentous fungi, like there was like, like three or four places that that would have kind of got me, it got me an interview, got me in the door, but didn't have any offers coming. And I thought, well, you know, it's time to do a postdoc, I guess, but I don't really want to, I don't want to go in academia. I know that. I also remember what was happening at the time, not only the economic crash, but that was sort of the beginning of the end for a lot of academic funding, right? Like it's really competitive. And so I've seen guys who are like my German housemate, who's now a professor in Freiburg, but guys who are much smarter than me, who are really passionate about their art, who have tons of ideas, mm-hmm. want to do research. They're like, all they need is like a grant, a lab and a bunch of hands, right? And they'll publish papers galore. It's like those guys who get up early in the morning thinking about their molecule or whatever, you know, it's like, those guys were kicking around the postdoc circuit for a few years yeah. and, or, you know, they'll hire three of them as associate professors and say after a couple of years, well, two of you are gone, you know, it's just brutal. And I'm just like, I can't compete there. That's not me, you know? Yeah. So, but I did, I did look into slightly the idea of a postdoc just as a next step or at least getting more marketable skills. And again, it would have meant mostly moving out of town, <laughs> which I kind of didn't want to do. because I was kind of feeling rooted here and also being older, I think was a disadvantage in that sense that I, I was feeling heavier and not as light. I had possessions and I didn't want to like, you know, so I started, I was a pretty good writer. Everyone says, oh, you're a good writer. And uh, I started working for this American Journal Experts. They're like helping English as second language clients, mostly scientists who want to publish in American mm-hmm. British journals, right? Clean up their papers. And so they need somebody. So I did that for a bit and that got, that had its ups and downs. Mostly I was sick of it. So I had a friend of a friend, it was Jim actually, who told me that his friend Henri was looking for somebody at Byron. For a technical editor so i went there and he hired me i don't know if he was he might have been reluctant to hire me i don't know but his boss really liked me so, <laughs> so i've been there ever since basically but i've had a few different few different roles yeah so would you advise to a uh, younger students to take a break between their bachelor and the phd or i saw i saw your written question was can you take a break or would you something that would you follow my path or something like that? I, I would say, yeah, don't follow my path because <laughs> that's really long and windy. And you'd be old when <laughs> you get out, start young. But I think the idea of taking a break for a short time is probably not a bad idea. Like a couple of my friends, you know, worked 
a couple of years after undergrad, and I think got a good perspective on, hmm, this is working life. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe yeah, I can yeah. do better than this, or, you know, yeah, maybe I'm, I'm ready for something else. And it does kind of ground you, I think. Well, plus, you have a little money in the bank, which doesn't hurt if you're, you know, yeah, starving yeah, grad cool. student. So, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of nice. Yeah. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Dave. Good night. Bye. Thanks. Thank you for listening Secret Life of a Graduate Student. Next week, we are interviewing our entire panel of scientists, Brett, Julie, and Dave. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.